top of the morning to you or afternoon or evening whenever you may be listening my name is scotty and welcome to chip time it is monday january 10th the first episode of 2022 and we're already behind so to speak i think this may be the longest we've gone between episodes but we are back people we are back and we have so much to catch up on a packed show as i always say we will be doing our ncaa men's track and field indoor preview with five runners you need to know and what they're going to be shaping up to do this indoor season we also will be recapping the USATF Cross Country Championships that just transpired this past weekend. But most importantly, most importantly, we have a very special Coach's Corner today with a unique topic. It's it's maybe going to be a little bit of clickbait, so to speak, in the title of this podcast episode, but I will be sharing my secrets as far as how to feel jacked as a distance runner. What does it take to feel jacked when you are a skinny dude or lady? But first, a quick training update because, of course, it feeds into this. I am feeling jacked as of late And it's really been a different winter of training for me than I've done in years past. I've been somewhat limited post-collegiately in what I've been able to do in the winter because of time restrictions in the past with a heavier workload. People trying to get their turbo taxes done and somebody had to do it and it was me. And because of that, I typically took all the time I had to exercise, which was already limited, and I just grinded mileage on the treadmill. And last year, with remote work, there was a little bit of flexibility, and I upped that mileage. And I got out of the blocks in 2021, putting in 40 to 45 miles a week. But what happened in 2020 and 2021 for my training, I got injured right when the snow melted. I just grinded mileage through January and February, and then I took an injury into March. And as you know, if you've been listening to this show since day one, when I get injured, I like to start from scratch, get a full recovery rather than training through some ache or pain or ailment. And, you know, I just don't want to be limping as I'm going through life and going to friends' weddings and going on hiking trips. I want to be fully healthy as a person. But when you get past New Year's Eve and you're fired up for the new year, there is this passion that you want to put into your training. And so this year, I just made the executive decision that grinding mileage and just focusing on that during the winter may not be the best training for me. 
And, and that is why this is, I just want to be very transparent. I'm not telling everybody this is the approach you need to be taking. I am just telling you that I am trying something different for myself because I know I have somewhat failed doing the traditional mileage approach in the winter. So what I've been doing this year that's a little bit different is in a way I have been joining the average American in making a long-awaited return to the gymnasium, the weight room. And what I've been doing primarily is a couple days of cross-training on the elliptical, a couple days on the treadmill, and also a couple days outside during the weekend when I'm not working and I can get out when there's still daylight. For me personally, outdoor running, even in the winter, has not been a problem for my legs. My joints were good. It's just like any other time of the year as far as wear and tear. But for whatever reason, the treadmill has always done a number on my joints, mostly my lower legs. Uh, it's either been my shin or sometimes my soleus. But something about the pounding on that flat treadmill just doesn't give the return to my legs that they're used to. I don't know if it's scientifically worse or not, and that'll be a topic we explore in another episode. But for me personally, when I run days on end, days in a row on the treadmill, it's done some damage to my legs. You get that fitness where, where your heart rate and your cardio is improving and you're breathing and you're feeling like you'd be able to run faster and longer, but the joints take this cumulative wear and tear that this year I said not going to happen. So like I said, I've been staggering between an elliptical day and a treadmill day, back to the elliptical, then to the treadmill again, and so far I feel healthy. I've been purposefully holding myself back. I know I could be doing more time on the elliptical or the treadmill or mileage, but I just want to get through this winter healthy, but here's the thing. You got to put something else in the pot if you're taking something out. And since I'm taking out some mileage and intensity in the cardio sphere, we've put in some more weight training with the goal of entering the spring as a stronger athlete. And that brings us to today's Coach's Corner of how to feel jacked when you are a distance runner. And because it is my podcast, I am going to be telling a personal story of my woes in the weight room as a youngster and how I've gotten to this point of, if we're being real, not jacked, not even close to it, but I'm enjoying going in now. And that is a big victory. So how did we get from there to hear. Well, the story starts my freshman year of high school. Young Scotty hated the weight room. When I was a freshman on the cross-country team, I believe I weighed about 110 pounds. Light as a feather, 
complete string bean. And I remember one day our team was in the weight room after a run and our coaches gave us some, some exercises to do. And like, I had never been in a weight room before because we didn't have one in our middle school. It was my very first time in there. And they said to bench press the bar and I couldn't do it more than like a couple times, the 45 pound bar. And it was one of the first times athletically that I had like failed at something because I wasn't a good basketball player or a soccer player, but like there isn't much failure with that. If you miss a shot, you might make the next one. But when you're trying to push a weight forward and it won't go and your arms feel terrible and you see people around you doing it easily, it is very defeating to go through that. And so in those early high school days, weight training was something I just tried to get through. If we were in the weight room, I would be at the drinking fountain as long as I could be to to not be doing weights. I just hated being in there. There was a negative energy I brought. I felt like I was going to fail or hurt myself, and I was just insecure about it. And even to the point where I would not enroll in a regular gym class in high school because I knew you would have to go to the weight room. I did this gym class where you got to play games, pick up soccer and basketball and, and volleyball, but the ones where it was like actually exercising and lifting, I was like, absolutely not. Like that just stresses me out. Fortunately, as high school went along, just naturally got stronger, grew a little bit. My By my senior year, I was up to about 140 pounds, and at least I could get through the lifts in, in cross-country and track without like failing reps like that. But I was still insecure about the amount of weight that I could bench or squat or deadlift because we would get some freshmen or sophomores who I was way faster than in cross country who could just naturally do these exercises that I couldn't do. Fast forward to college and I did find a decent groove in in college. You know, there were a couple people on my team who were about the same strength level as me. And since we were all cross country and track runners, you know, we weren't people who had another primary sport. It was a group I was comfortable with. Uh, I still definitely didn't enjoy it, but I was able to get decent benefits out of what we were trying to do. And I did enjoy uh, my senior year with Coach Wilk. We did more circuit based workouts rather than just lifts, and I did enjoy doing that a little bit more. There was a cardio aspect, switching between exercises every 30 seconds, and uh, anyone on that team will vouch that I was an absolute animal on the ropes, going back and forth with the ropes. Uh, I thought I was going to tear the wall down at one point, but post-grad, post-college, I honestly took a little bit of a step back where 
that intimidation came back as far as gym culture from my perspective. I had become, from from the common folks' perspective, uh, an above-average runner. You know, I could do some things that maybe the average person couldn't do on a track, but as far as strength training, I still could not put up weights that people could have done when they were 15 years old. And so walking into local gyms, I felt intimidated. And I thought people would be looking at how much weight I was lifting. Um, I, I Sometimes I would finish an exercise on, let's say, like the shoulder press, and then I would like move the needle down to the next level as I stepped off to like pretend I lifted more than I actually did. Or I would just finish my cardio on the treadmill or elliptical and plan to have done a lift and I would just leave. I would be like, yeah, maybe we'll just do it next time. So it really was as negative of a mindset as you could have, um, just just because of the physical struggles, but more so than that, it was the mental, just perceived negativity of those around me being stronger and knowing what they were doing, and uh, it just led to this discomfort. But at this point, years later, being now four years out of college, I have completely changed my tune. And I think a big role in it has been some things I've learned in running that I'm applying to the weight room. So one thing you may remember is um, there has been some track workouts, even that we've done since the podcast here, where Mike and I have gone for like a threshold effort. Like, how fast can we possibly do this workout in? And then it doesn't work out. And you feel like you've failed the workout because you're not running these paces that you wrote up for yourself. And when I was that younger, more insecure athlete in the weight room, I would try to always be doing as much weight as I possibly could because it was what I thought you needed to do to get stronger. And what I've learned, it's funny. Like people, you can listen to this and laugh at me. Um, That is not how you get stronger. That is how you hurt yourself. And so what I've been doing now this year that I'm one, a more secure person, and number two, trying to actually get good strength training in, is I am just activating the muscle groups, first of all. I'm not going in and saying, how much can I possibly do at each exercise? I'm just doing a weight that I can get like three sets of 10 for each exercise I write up. And I want to be able to do it, yes, challenging myself, but without failing. I want to leave with my head held high. So what I typically do, I am not at all an expert in 
weight training. So you don't have to uh, take much from what you get here from this coach's corner. But what I do is I, I will pick four different exercises and I will do three sets of 10 for each. So the key is I'm working different muscle groups. And again, it's at a weight that I can get through it without failing or hurting myself. Because if you max out on, we'll use again, the shoulder press, and then you're planning to do three other exercises at a max out effort, you probably will either hurt yourself or not be able to do all your reps. And you're just going to like reinforce that negativity that you have. So as far as um, why am I like enjoying this more, even with like today, for example, my, my last exercise was some side raises with 10 pound dumbbells, just extending um, just in kind of a T shape, uh, three sets of 10. And there were some gym bro bros next to me who were like curling, you know, 30s. Um, old me would have kind of hid in the corner and been insecure with having dumbbells a third of the weight of theirs. But now it's just like, you know what? I'm doing my workout. They're doing their workout. They might run five minutes on the treadmill. A couple of weeks ago, I ran two hours on the treadmill. Everyone has a type of exercise that they are the most comfortable in. And the big takeaways I want the people to have here, as far as my how to feel jacked advice, is if you are someone who is like I was, you have a negative perception of the gym, of the weight room, I just have a couple bullet points for you of my experience now. And, and maybe some tips, maybe some things to try out to make it a little bit less intimidating. Number one is I type out in my phone what exercises I'm going to do before starting. Uh, it kind of eliminates wandering around the weight room and, and looking like you don't know what you're doing. If you have the plan, you just make a beeline to that machine or to that weight, and you just do it. And if someone happens to be using something that you were planning on, you can just do one of your other exercises first. So that, that's been a small little bit of a hack for my experience. And the next piece of advice I would give, again, not a certified trainer, is don't feel like you need to increase your weight as the only way to get stronger. So I've been doing this weight training uh, training block for, this is week three, I think. And my old self would say, okay, you had two weeks at this weight, now we've got to bump it up. But there are so many other things you can do without just increasing the weight. You could make your rest shorter. You could make your sets longer with more reps. You could add a set or you could add an exercise. Instead of me doing four exercises, three sets of 10, I could do five exercises, three sets of 10. Or instead of doing a 45 second rest between each set, 
You could have 30 seconds between each set and you don't just have to increase your weights. And the the last uh, last two pieces of advice that I have here, one of them is more just an observation, which is that it's really not an intimidating place of people who are judging you. Um, my gym has, I haven't had like deep conversations with anyone, but I have had a few conversations with people and they're nice people who are just going and exercising. Um, I know other gyms, there are people trying to max out their bench press and stuff and more power to them. I mean, I'm kind of that version of a try hard on the track of sorts, but as far as the community, it's nice people. So if you're a little bit more intimidated about the social aspect, my advice is to go with a friend. I go by myself now. I'm, I'm pretty chill about that. And, and also it's you know hard to coordinate schedules with people. But if that is going to get you in the door to unlock this new type of exercise, go with a friend and preferably go with a friend who kind of knows what they're doing and does lift regularly because they will be able to give you much better advice than me. (laughs) So that is a good game plan. I hope to get you in the door, but the big hack, because I did tell everybody in the clickbait title here that, that this is how to feel jacked. The big hack you need to take away, if you take away anything from this Coach's Corner segment, is when your arms are tired and you still have one set or one rep or one more exercise, you got to put the earbuds in and you turn on this song. It's called Forgotten by Linkin Park. Uh, or really, really any song from the album Hybrid Theory. And I guarantee, I've been very transparent about not being a personal trainer and, hey, maybe this advice is, is a little bit subjective. This is a guarantee. You will be able to finish that set. Again, that is Forgotten by Linkin Park. Don't forget it. And let's go get some gains, people. So, hey, like I said, I've been enjoying it so far. Uh, just something to mix up my training a little bit, keep off the joints a little bit. And so far, it's been fun to try out some of these exercises a little bit and to just uh, unleash my primal bro instinct a little bit. You don't always get to do that on, uh, on the roads. So hopefully those are some takeaways that if you've been struggling with this, you might be able to, to change things up a little bit, but also feel free to shoot me an email, you know, chiptimepod at gmail.com if there are any other concerns you may have, because like I said, I used to be the 110 pound freshman who absolutely would never have even dreamt of setting foot by choice in a weight room. And now here we are, just trying to supplement our distance running training a little bit. 
So that's it for Coach's Corner. Time to transition to the real athletes of both the NCAA and the United States of America. My goal out of that intro and and Coach's Corner segment is I want Lincoln Park's hybrid theory to be trending worldwide, if possible, and I will know if the audience did their homework and if the audience is getting those gains, if forgotten by Lincoln Park, is trending. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. But we're going to get a little hype check here before getting right into my top five men to watch in the NCAA scene. Because it's been a few weeks since I ventured there. I think maybe early December I mentioned what the layout looks like and what the schedule looks like. But the three words I want to lead this off with is saying, we made it. We made it. We made it past the dog days of the running world and from here on out from this moment on there is high quality running content for really the rest of 2022 and just to lay the breadcrumbs a little bit i understand the indoor season technically kicked off in december and then there were a few meets last weekend the university of michigan being one who hosted a meet but i mean on the men's side they didn't even run their a squad so i'm really looking at this coming weekend as the kickoff for the ncaa indoor season where do we go from there from the regular season well end of this month We've got the Milrose Games. We'll be previewing that pretty soon, bringing a blend of professionals and some of the top collegians, a few who you're going to hear in this top five. In February, the NCAA continues all the way through conference championships, and at the end of February, we will have the USA Indoor Championships where individuals will qualify for the World Indoor Championships in March alongside the NCAA National Championships. So you got those going side by side. Then we get right into outdoor track season, regular season, which of course goes through to conference and regionals, which will be, can you believe it, the one-year anniversary of the Chip Time Podcast, and then we get into the Outdoor National Championships, the World U.S. Outdoor Trials, and then the World Championships in Eugene, Oregon. So there is so much that's going to be going on over the next six to seven months, and that's before World Marathon major season, which uh, from what I hear, some people are boycotting the Chicago Marathon. This year in particular, I don't know why, just something I've heard recently since the refunding scandal of sorts, but there is so much on the track coming at us starting next week. 
And because of that, we got to go rapid fire with my top five men to watch this outdoor season. And I will then footnote this and bookend it with uh, six through 10, just dropping the names after here. So starting with number five, we're going with Elliot Kipsang, a freshman from Alabama, at least eligibility wise, because we've seen this guy last year. And oh boy, did he light up the track last year. In the 1500 meters, he was a 335 guy, and he was under 337 in three different meets, which is absolutely insane. He was an All-American just behind Walid Suleiman, who is professional now, Cole Hawker, who is professional now, and Yard Nagus, who is a former national champion in the event. So Kip Singh, he's one of the top guys returning. He likes to run a hot pace. He's not a sit and kick guy like Matt Centrowitz. He likes to take it quick. He knows that not too many guys can run under 337, and that is the type of race he likes. Last year on the indoor oval, he was the runner-up in the mile to Cole Hawker. Actually beat Suleiman in that one, but perhaps his most impressive indoor performance last year was anchoring the distance medley relay for Alabama with a 351-1600 meter split. That, of course, converts just about one and a half to two seconds higher to, let's say, a 352 high or a 353 low full mile. But either way, that is absolutely cooking, and that time converted would put him as the fastest returning man since Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker are both professionals now. And the wrinkle in Kip Sang's resume here is that he was the SEC cross-country champion this year. We broke down that race back in the fall. Big surprise. Would have thought if it was anyone from Alabama, it would have been Victor Kiprop, more of a uh, more of a 5K long-distance oriented guy. They had poor weather conditions, and we didn't expect a mid-distance man like Kip saying to get the win, but that shows range. And in the interview after that race, he mentioned that long-term, he sees himself as a 5,000-meter runner. So that's just something to keep an eye on. As the runner-up from the mile indoor last year, you gotta think that's what he's probably gonna contest in the indoor season this time around, but you never know. And uh, he's he's hard to miss. He's a tall guy, pretty jacked, kind of a Lopez Lamong build. And I'm excited to see how he's able to use that strength from cross-country season. Man, he was close to being an All-American, but still SEC champ. And uh, where is the speed coming into this indoor season? Moving on up, I was a little bit critical of our ladies in the 800 meters, but when it comes to the dudes, there is a man who you have to put in your top five. It is Brandon Miller of Texas A&M. 
Another guy who has freshman eligibility because of the free year, but he put on a show last year in two different ways, in tactics and in speed. It started on the indoor oval with the tactics where as a true freshman, he was the SEC champion. But in the weird COVID indoor season, you had to run a certain time to make it to nationals and his 148 that he ran to win the sec was not fast enough to go to nationals so he didn't even get a shot against charlie hunter of oregon and finley mcclear of miami of ohio who had that epic race where it was decided by like two thousandths of a second or something and Then we went to outdoor season, and it was kind of a question mark. Brandon Miller, he wins most of his races, but is he going to be fast enough to go up against Hunter and McClear and Isaiah Jouette of USC? And he proved all the haters wrong. His message to the haters came in the the form of a 144.9 performance runner-up to Isaiah Jouette, who made the Olympic team for the United States. And 144, I mean, that is that is top-tier NCAA performing right there. And he won the SEC outdoor as well. So looking at his resume, he's got the tactics, he knows when to make his surge, and he's got the speed. The fact that he can run under 145 he is the favorite going into 2022. The question is, we have seen him as the hunter, as the true freshman. How will he perform as the hunted, where everybody has a target on Brandon Miller's back and it's a tactical race? So if you're his competition, you're going to try and put him in the front the first 400 meters work off him, make him do the work, and then outkick him at the end. Whereas last year, he was able to hide in the pack a little bit. So 800, it's always a crazy one. He's the one you want to keep an eye on as the favorite. Numbers two and three, respectively, I have two 5K runners, two long-distance runners. We're going to start with number three. Athanas Kyoko of Campbell, who was just third at NCAA cross-country nationals and was third in the 5K in outdoor national championships last year, just behind Luis Grijalva and Cooper Tier. We talked about Kyoko a lot in the cross-country preview, so not a ton to add here other than just saying that he's always been a guy who's had wicked fast times in kind of a weak conference and now that we've seen on both the track and the grass he's been able to bring some tactics to elite racing fields and get these top three finishes I think this man is going to be in the mix for the 5k national champion however Going to number two here, my Stephen A. Smith, however, is there is a man named Wesley Kiptu of Iowa State who says, in the words of another ESPN colleague, Lee Corso, not so fast, 
he is the reigning indoor 5K national champion. And when you see this man put on the gloves, fast times ensue. Just ran 13-14 at the Sharon Collier Danville season opener. Just rolls right off the tongue. And he was second place in the NCAA cross-country national championships. So really no one in this field of returners is a hotter name for the 5K than Wesley Kip to because you got Cooper Tier and Connor Mance both going pro after cross country. So my pick to win the 5K at Nationals, it's it's Wesley Kip to. And we've seen him do it before. I know people said the field was quote unquote weak last year, but I kind of take issue with that. Because yes, Luis Grijalva was not there because he was focused on cross country. But Cooper Tier did not toe the line against Kip 2. He opted for the 3K. He took the coward's way out. And I don't think you can hold that against Kip 2. And I think he's going to defend his national title indoors. But we are left to one remaining runner. And I think you know who it is. It can only be one. It is a man who we have covered in depth on this program. He was one of the original runners you need to know. His name is Yard Nagus of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He is the NCAA record holder at 1,500 meters. He has run 746 for 3,000 meters faster than any other returner. In the NCAA, in 2019, he was the 1,500-meter national champion and anchored the distance medley relay of Notre Dame to a national championship. And, oh, by the way, he made the 2021 Olympics, unfortunately hindered by injuries. But what you need to know about this man is he is a winner on the track. His cross country career, a little bit of a roller coaster, had some good some good seasons and some not so good ones. But on the track, he's usually getting W's. And other than that, I mean second place to Cole Hawker, who is now a 331 1500 guy. Uh that was sort of his off day at the office in track. We're gonna see Nagoose and Kip to pretty soon, my voice got very high-pitched there, a little Milrose preview before the preview, they're running that 3K with the professionals, and the word on the street is they are going for the NCAA record. So I am keeping both eyes on that one, and you know the thing with Nagoose that's so fascinating is you think he's going to go with the mile here indoor for national championships. And I'm not saying that he won't, but it's just the the factors in play here are number one, that uh, Sean Carlson, most likely his coach, is going to have him anchor that DMR. He is typically a team-first oriented coach, and that usually doesn't bode well with the mile in terms of when the events are stacked up time-wise. 
So is there a chance that Nagoo steps up to the 3K, which is a little bit of a weaker field, which does not have Elliot Kipsang, most likely? Last year in the 3K, first and second, Cole Hawker, Cooper Tier, they're off the board now. This could be a clear path to a Nagoose 3K National Championship, but my take at the end of the day is whatever event he decides to run, mile or 3,000 meters, he's going to be your national champion. And uh, I'm excited for that Milrose 3K. We're, we're going to do a full preview of that soon. But man, that is just about two, two and a half weeks away. So switching gears here. Oh, almost forgot my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions for the men. Just going to fire off some names at you real quick in case you're like, how did he forget so-and-so? Six through ten, I've got Finley McClear of Miami of Ohio, Morgan Beetlescombe of Michigan State, Mario Garcia-Romo of Ole Miss, Abdi Noor of NAU, and Nico Young of NAU. That is my top ten men you need to keep an eye on for this indoor NCAA season. So now for real, for real, we're switching gears here, and we're closing up shop with the USATF cross-country championships. These were 10K races, one for the men, one for the women, at Mission Bay Park in San Diego, California. San Diego, of course, which translate to mean the whales. And, uh, you know, two, two races here to recap, but not going to really give much analysis here. A little bit more of a, a shout-out of sorts for the participants. So, on the women's side... It was Alicia Monson of OAC, uh, formerly of Wisconsin, taking the W over Wayne Kaladi of Under Armour. Those two were both very competitive in the NCAA together. And I will admit, although Monson was just an Olympian last year in the 10K, I would have expected Kaladi to win that race. I just I haven't seen her lose a cross country race since 2018, I think. So just uh, you know a little bit optically, maybe not what I expected, but again, Alicia Monson, an Olympian, doing what she does. Speaking of Olympians, Molly Seidel of Puma was eighth place in this race, and uh, just had to give her a shout out for stepping down in distance a little bit to the 10,000. On the men's side, it was Shadrach Kipchurcher taking the W over Dylan Maggard. Kipchurcher, of course, an Oklahoma State legend back in his day. Second place in the 2014 uh, NCAA Outdoor 10K to Edward Chesarek. And uh, fun fact, Joe Bosshard was uh, an All-American in that race, who is Emma Coburn's husband and coach now. So a little blast from the past there. Shadrach was also a 2016 U.S. Olympian in the 10K with uh, with Galen Rupp in those 
Olympics. My guy, Sam Chalanga, was third place. Mr. Chalanga, thank you for your service. Of course, I was gunning for him. I was all in on the Sam Chalanga comeback in 2021. He's in his mid-30s now. He's like 36 years old. And uh, the Chalanga story, I'm sorry if I've said this before, but he was an extremely successful runner for uh, Liberty University. Him and Galen Rupp would go back and forth winning national titles in like the you know 2007, 8, 9 range. And uh, Sam Chalanga, he got his American citizenship, similar to Paul Chalimo, through the U.S. military um, route. So it was like you're able to serve in the military when you're um, or after you're here for for college, and uh, and then get your U.S. citizenship um, rather than uh, competing for Kenya uh, on the world stage. So I've been a big Chilanga fan for a while and what happened was after he ran professionally for a bit he was serving the military and he was i apologize i've never been good with military rank but he was a captain of of a group and he was training new soldiers and to quote unquote stay in shape Sam Chalanga would run seven miles a day. And to him, that was the equivalent of me or you doing like 10 minutes on the bike, you know, three days a week. That was him just getting out for a few minutes. And the, the story has it that his, his troop was basically like, hey, like, I don't know if they were talking smack or just like asking directly. Like, do you think you would still be able to run a competitive 5K or 10K? And he was like, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll, I guess I'll find out. Goes back to the States last year. He hops in uh, a 10K with a bunch of people trying to hit the uh, U.S. Olympic standard. And he hits the standard in his first race. And he got second place in that race. So, uh, third overall here in the USATF cross country championships, um, got a shout out Bernard Keeter, fifth place. He was an Olympian last year in the steeplechase and, uh, Ben Blankenship seventh place. However, I was not able to get an elbow count from Blankenship. Of course, I'm, I'm guessing there were just too many to count given that it was the, uh, the, the great combination of Ben Blankenship and cross-country. There's bound to be a lot of elbows in a situation such as that. But the last shout-out I have here really is as big of a shout-out as we could possibly give on this show. 12th place. 12th place in the United States of America, track and field and uh, cross-country championships, was a man who hails from Waterford, Michigan, who attended Waterford Mott High School and Michigan State University. 
a man who then relocated to a place called Boulder, Colorado. A man who I once ran against on the track in high school, finishing a mere one minute and 20 seconds behind him in a two-mile race. His name is Ryan Robinson, and he was one of the studs back in my high school days in this Oakland County area, and he had, let me, I mean, I don't know the guy personally, but he had his ups and downs at Michigan State um, after how dominant he was in high school, and from what I recall in the couple meets we had together um, when Northwood and State were at the same ones in college, I feel like he did really well in cross country, but maybe had some injury issues in track. Uh, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but fortunately this was cross country and things seem to be just clicking in Boulder for him to finish 12th place among all of these sponsored Nike and Adidas and Brooks athletes. So to all the shoe companies out there, I have this message. Sponsor this man. Someone needs to sponsor this man. It will be the best decision in the history of your company. That That is my second chip time guarantee today. The first was that you listen to, to Forgotten by Linkin Park. You're going to put up whatever set you have on the bar there. This is a second chip time guarantee, and this is unprecedented, but I want a shoe company to sponsor this man. 12th place, USATF Cross Country Championships, Ryan Robinson of Waterford, Michigan. Let's go. So as we wrap up the show, just to remind you, if you want to get in contact with the show, all you have to do is send me an email, chiptimepod at gmail.com, chiptimepod at gmail.com. If you ever have any questions, topic ideas, articles, or corrections, I'm just shooting from the hip here. I cannot emphasize enough how little fact-checking we do on this program, so please send me an email if there is anything ever incorrect. And uh, while you're at it, fire up the iPhone and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We read all ratings, or our reviews rather, on the show, but I should say we used to read all ratings because it's been a little while. And uh, you can also leave a rating on Spotify now. Last one is if you'd like to join the Chip Time Strava group, all you need to do is follow me on Strava. I will get you added to the group. The group has been growing. So shout out to our new members, and uh, you could be one of them if you'd like to. So thanks for listening. Keep working hard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.